you know, I've been building flash intros for 25 yeah. years. Like onboarding has been, <laughs> 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 you know, like I know the value of, a, of an yeah, onboarding. You have the right audience. Hey, Rich, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Paul? I'm doing fine. So look, things are opening up a little bit. Friend came over the other day, came, sat on my porch, had a couple drinks. My friend Mike. Sitting with your friend on a porch. Good stuff. Timeless. Classic stuff. And you know, we talked We talked about a truly, truly timeless subject. Okay, so wait. It's a nice night. Nice night. In the neighborhood. He friend liked, of yours. He likes gin. You know, nice, just chatting, chatting about life. And then one of the great subjects of all time came up. And I, I really, I feel it's something oh, that's important. French literature. Onboarding. Okay. People listening to this will understand why onboarding is so important. We're going to talk about that. Okay. It's something we've never really fully addressed on the podcast before, and it's beyond time. It is beyond time. And this is someone who's thought a lot about onboarding, cares deeply about onboarding, and is also pretty uh, pretty senior in our industry. Mike McWaters, welcome to welcome, the Welcome, Mike. Party. Thanks for having me. It's we got three good voices. Big, <laughs> Excellent voices. Let's, go, let's get in there. Excellent. Um, Mike, you've been in the web industry two or three years now. And <laughs> so no, tell us your job. I am director of product design, HBO Max. Uh, HBO Max. Now, people probably out there have opinions about HBO Max. I know Rich does. The other day, actually, what was beautiful is Rich was complaining about HBO Max to me, and you were complaining about one of our clients on Twitter, and we don't even need to play that out, but that's not why we're here today. I would say, though, I mean, <laughs> even if the app required a crank. Yeah, you'd still uh, watch. Because just HBO is just so damn good. Are you a Station Eleven guy? Station Eleven was amazing. Uh, Succession was just like eating bowls of ice cream yeah, yeah. every time it was on. It was just so indulgent and awful and beautiful. It just consistently nail it. I feel bad for Showtime a lot. I yeah. feel bad for Show. I feel like if HBO passes, they can get the Showtime meeting and yeah, see if they no, can pull it real. off over there. That's actually what happened. That <laughs> happened with Mad Men after The Sopranos. Like HBO passed on Mad Men. Yeah, it went it to whatever it was. AMC. AMC, yeah. Define AMC, right. We're not going to interrogate you about HBO Max. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> because I don't, want, I don't want HBO's PR and legal department involved in my life in any way. But no, we really, when you were, we were talking about onboarding, I'm like, this is someone who cares about this more than I do. And you know who else cares about onboarding more than I do? Richard Ziotti. And I'm like, let's all get in a room and I'll ask you guys questions about onboarding. First of all, onboarding is one of those subjects. It comes up last. It should be first. Can someone define it? When a user visits your experience, the default state is abandonment. They're going to leave. The default state, and if you want to be dramatic about it, failure. And you have a very small window to get them to engage and commit, right? And that initial experience, in some contexts, it's 30 seconds. In some contexts, it's a minute or two, is critical. And the experience you present to that user to welcome them onto the experience and to see value quickly somehow is how I would define onboarding. Let's be clear too, and I want to actually get you to add some color to that, Mike, but we're talking here about application style experiences as opposed to 
I'm going to visit a website and read a news article. Like those deserve onboarding strategy as well. But in general, yes. when you think about the web, I'm going to hit a page and it's going to show me what it shows me. And then I'll have that experience and we'll see where it goes from there. Yes. This is more like Slack is a very good example. Slack has a rich onboarding experience. The first time you log into Slack, it's like, hi, I'm Slack. Yes. <laughs> How are you? Yeah. I think onboarding becomes more important. And then I want to turn it over to Mike to give his version of the definition. If money is involved down the road, mm -hmm. onboarding is important. Now, that may be through advertising. That may be through fees of some sort or subscription fees. It may even be through, you know, if it's a game, in-app purchases, where they're going to leave you alone about money for a little while to get you to feel real good and to loosen your muscles up so that you're relaxed about the whole thing. Sounds but very bad. It sounds very <laughs> bad. But I think if money's in the mix, you're going to have to... Think a little bit about how you keep people around. What is onboarding, Michael McWaters? So I'm going to give one of those answers that people hate. because oh, no. It's you know, great. Yeah. I think your whole product experience is onboarding. So you, yeah, I know. And that oh, sounds that, annoying. Well, thanks, everyone, for oh, listening to yeah. the podcast. Is, let, let me explain. That, no, no, that's cool. <laughs> this is some like David Siegel, Norman group kind of. All right, all, okay, okay, go so, ahead. But no, you, I'm going to get to what you said in a second, Rich. But like you mentioned Slack. Today, I just noticed a new feature in Slack. So they had to onboard me into that feature. They is had it to Huddles? Explain it. No, I've been using Huddles for a while, much oh, to my I'm team's so, chagrin. I've been ignoring I'm Huddles so for tired a while. Of, I huddle Slack, everyone I can. Slack and Huddles. Is Huddles good? Anyone will huddle with me, I'll huddle with I, you. I you want to huddle? Uh, well, I'll huddle. I, frankly, yeah. I need someone to Any huddle with. Any kind of human contact. No one I work with will huddle. <laughs> Get it back on track, guys. Okay. okay, so everything's onboarding. Well, no, okay, so anytime you have somebody who's engaging with your product, there's an opportunity that they leave. And so what you're always trying to do is build a relationship to get them to stay, obviously. Yep. That first moment when they experience your product, obviously that's what we traditionally think of as onboarding. Yeah. But... I don't think of it as a separate experience as defined by marketing. I think it is probably the domain of product most of the time. Yep. And I think that, and the reason I think that is because good onboarding is the first leg of the product experience. Yep. It's giving you the promise of what to expect. Mm -hmm. It's kind of opening up to you and giving you a glimpse and making a promise to you as to what's going to be. Mm -hmm. But it's doing so in a way that doesn't feel threatening or obtrusive or annoying and reducing friction. Okay. I'm a product called Updog. Who cares what I do? And you hit updog.biz, updog.guru, and you log in and Updog, a little dog pops up right. and it says, hi, welcome to Updog. Here's the five things you need to do in order to be really successful using Updog. Here's your containers, here's your pointers, and right. here's your shoe finder, right? And it's just like, here they are, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Dismiss. I did my onboarding. Are, am I ready to subscribe? So that's onboarding for Updog. Right. Okay. Now you're telling me, hold on a minute. You got to think a little deeper than that. What would that be like? What does that feel like? I mean, first of all, I'd say that's a horrible experience. Okay. Because, okay so yeah, let, I'm let, not going to use Updog. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out What's there. What's Updog? I'm not using it. Okay. That's where you get your Updog. I mean, or Down Dog. I, no more dad jokes. It violates, like, first of all, it violates kind of the rule of like, I don't think you should ever be educating during onboarding. Like not explicitly educating. It shouldn't feel like training. Oh, right? interesting. Okay. Like show, don't tell. If it feels like you're trying, I mean, whenever I hear somebody say, well, we need to train users, it's one of those words. First of all, I hate the word users. Second of all, it's like, don't train them. What do you call humans who Whenever do possible in non-technical documentation, I call them people. Okay, that's you nice. Know, like, that's good. So when people, come, they are, so when people are watching our product, not users are consuming our content. Okay, okay. And I, and I do that because I actually think if you are talking this way about them in general, you start to humanize them in your mind. Right. Anyway, a little backstory. When I was starting out way as a kid, I, I thought maybe I'd be an architect. 
Okay. What interested me about architecture was the way that you introduce people into buildings, into spaces, you know, obviously Disney and so forth. I always think about real world parallels. If you were to walk into Updog's brick and mortar mm -hmm. and somebody came out and started handing you pamphlets of things you needed to know, you would leave that store right away. Be awkward. It is yeah, awkward. exactly. It's like when you walk into the store and you need the salesperson, but you also don't kind of want to ask for the salesperson. Yeah. You know, you want them to be there you know, when you a need store, them. I think it's Micro Center. No, it's not Micro Center, but it's, it's like some relatively nerdy store. And there's like a little flag you can put on your um, basket that's like, you can talk to me. Right. When you're going to buy your Raspberry Pi Zero. You don't need, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to be upsold USB. No, that's between you. Cables, that's yeah. between you and the like home you slash hobby. It's section. actually between you and your God. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so like, that's an interesting way to approach it. So think about what it's like when somebody walks into a space and 100%. how you make them feel comfortable. What are some good onboarding experiences between the two of you? Keying off of what Mike's saying here, uh, games on phones, I think are the gold standard in my view. Yeah. What's a good phone game? There's a great game. It's in Apple Arcade, which is a subscription service yep. that gets you a bunch of games called Agent Intercept. Okay. I've never okay. heard of it. You're a spy, but you're really driving cars and boats. Okay. okay. So it's a driving game or a whatever. Near zero skill required. It's just very satisfying to play. But when you first start the game, it opens like a spy movie. Okay. Music and, and dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. Okay. And then the car gets dropped off of a plane. A cargo plane opens up. Your car flies out and parachutes out. The minute it hits the ground, it pauses with like an action font showing up saying agent intercept. And then the next thing it does is it teaches you how to like move and shoot missiles in the game. Right. Meaning you're learning by doing rather than oh, like, so you're like you move a little flipping bit through a yeah, you move it, and it stops and it says like shoot the missile right. at the other now, spy. But here's the thing that they do. They put a dumb truck in front of you. Yeah. And not only are you going to shoot that missile, but you're going to win. Your first moment is actually a little dopamine You hit. get to blow up the dump truck. You're going to blow up that truck. And, and there's a, such an immediate... You didn't just learn. You actually found like a hint of what the joy can be in the game, right? And I find that games on phones put enormous energy. First off, I think because they're, the potential user base is so wide, mm -hmm. like my mom plays games on... She's 70 years old on phones, sure. they've put the the bar so high as to in terms of the It has to be accessible to everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. And I love that it, the learning happens in the experience rather than over on the side in school. Right? right. That to me is the gold standard in my mind. It's hard to wedge it into other scenarios where there's more complexity and you got to get a credit card out and all that. But to me, that's inspiring consumer engagement and the, and the work that goes into it is is somewhat inspiring. When I say good onboarding, Mike, what pops up in your brain? So, okay, when I came in today, you guys did your due diligence. Yeah. Gave me a COVID test. That's right. We okay, post like test. currently has a limited number of people who can come in the office and everybody takes a rapid test when they come in. Right. Now that we're in Omicronville, buying rapid tests like a maniac a couple of weeks ago because sure. my kids needed them to go back to school. And I'm going from one pharmacy to the other and I'm buying different brands because oh, no pharmacy will, you know, I'm hoarding rapid tests. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the first one I take out, it looks like what you'd expect. It's like a pharmaceutical box that weird paper, you open it up, a bunch of things fall out. And then basically a map-sized piece of paper you unfold yeah, with like two-point type. Horse blanket-sized right. posters. Yeah, yeah, and now I realize I'm, I should have gone to medical school and I'm a phlebotomist and I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, yeah, right? Yeah, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm intimidated, you know? And I, if I screw up, I just spent 20, 30 bucks on this and will my kid get to go to school or am I going to go insane for another week? Yep. 
And then one of the next one, I tested my other son. Can I use a product name? Yeah, um, yeah it's go called. For it. I think it's called OnGo. Comes in this very stylishly designed modern package. Same size box, everything. It says right on the package: take your phone and scan this QR code. Okay. Lovely app. Literally demystifying. Works perfectly. Downloads. Just walks me through the whole test step by step. Push this button. The timer will start for sixty seconds. Beep. Now move it to this thing with like showing me in lovely illustrations how to do it. So the, the test itself is not integrated with the app. It's just guiding you through. Well, that. at the very end, actually. So at the very end, you you are supposed to photograph your stick, and it actually it basically confirms what you are saying. Okay. And then yeah. you can use that to send it as an official document, which the other ones don't have. Oh, okay. If but you could also just look at it. Yes. But if you need to prove to the people at work or at a school that, that yeah. you did this, you right. can do it that way. Yeah, right. okay. And so the point for me was like, my first experience with a COVID test 15 minutes earlier with my one son was like a horrifying medical experiment with like yeah. tiny type and where do I start and what do I do? And I've got all these bits and pieces. The other one had all the same parts, the same test. The test wasn't different. Yeah. But the experience of opening the box, getting into the, it has an app in the first yeah. place that then very gently walked me through with like comforting animations yeah. and really nicely written product copy. Yeah. I'm suddenly feeling very confident about the results. Of course, he tested positive, which was <laughs> not good. That's the wah -wah yeah. But you were confident about uh, the results. A wonderful place to think about this is the gym. Gyms can be the most intimidating and terrible place in the world. Yeah. Where they can be very inviting. Sometimes there are gyms that are like too inviting. Like everyone jokes about Planet Fitness just having pizza, which is probably <laughs> not productive. It's right? not a gym. So, but if, if we go back to like like your experience, Richard, the one that you're talking about, it would be like, hey, welcome. You know what? You guys are in the group. You're in group A. Let's go. And we're going to try all the equipment right now. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We're going to get a good burn going in the next 15 minutes. And then it's going to be up to you. You can figure out how you yep. want to use this gym. For you, it's much more like experience A is like, okay, come on in. We're going to, we're going to look at you and we're going to tell you exactly how each piece of equipment works. And if you screw it up, you're in big trouble right. versus like, hey, watch this cool video that tells you how to do everything that you could want to do here at the gym. That's where people are at. They walk yep. in like, the COVID test is a good mental model, but the, the game is funny because I think people are, you're actually slowing people down with the game. You're saying, yeah. hey, okay, I know you want to do this right now. I know you have no impulse control and you just want to smash the screen. Yep. But God, if you just let me tell you three <laughs> things, yep. you'll have more fun and we'll all feel better about ourselves. Yes. But what's interesting about, about what you're saying is there was no option to get right. out yeah, of it. Yeah. Oh, no. They're going to- like, First off, they were like, this is going to be 30 seconds, and we're actually going to make it fun. Yes. We're actually going to make you enjoy yourself for the first minute, and then you're off to the races. People will do it. People you're already invested. You're, you're already, already emotionally yeah. connected. And that's what you're hoping to do is get people through that. That's and right. Where they feel like they have some either some sense of emotional investment yep. or some sense of ownership. Yep. By ownership, yep. I mean the minute they enter some data into your app, the minute that they are starting to actually build a portfolio or you know create a profile or something, yep. you're starting to build a relationship. Yes, I think we're all really on the same frequency here in terms of what works. I want to talk about a more painful scenario, which is, I don't know what the word to use. I want to coin a phrase right here on this podcast. Go I'm going to call it slippage. Okay, slippage. It was looked promising for a minute. Yeah. If like all the little analytics beacons were like, okay, it's firing off. We're taking them through the journey. And then it went dark. They came in, they logged in a couple times last week. And they haven't logged in in 10 days, right? And I think we often look at tools as like, you've got one shot. They're coming in. Here's your chance. Never going to see them again. Never going to see them again. We, we're incubating a product right now outside of Postlight. And I've been trying a lot of tools that are in the space. And there is nothing more grating 
slash fascinating to me than these desperate emails that I get from these products that oh, I tried for God. like four days yeah. Yeah. and then bailed on. One said, Rich, so, but they we got miss your... you. <laughs> the, minute, the minute you let a software product get your first name, it's all you're yeah. you're in you're hell. Done. You're done. Right? It's right, a, you're yeah, that's all yeah. they need. Hey Mike. Yeah. Looks like you uh tried it but didn't like it. Yeah. Wondering where we could have done better, buddy. How can you recover from what appears to be abandonment? Is there a way? And that is to me. How do I get you back in? And the only thing that's worked for me, I'm a savvy user. Maybe these techniques work. If no one said, hey, Jim, we miss you in his life for many months, it's really nice to get that email great, from monday.com. No, no, the great misalignment. Isn't it? So many people sign up for my email. I have like an old Gmail address. Yeah. And people sign up for like all their intimate things using my Gmail address because they are they just don't understand. Like that, and it's like a, a cannabis supply shop in New Zealand. And you just, you see, so I'm in on, on these chains over wow. and over. Okay. And I can't reply. There's nothing I can do. I yeah. just watch. They yeah, come yeah, in. Yeah. I can't get rid of them. And what you see is just like the thing that you were talking about earlier, Mike, where it's just like they forget that they're in the store, right? They're just sort of like they forget that there could be a relationship here. Yeah. And the problem with our medium in general is that it's so cheap yeah. to send somebody a message. It's so cheap. And it's also very expensive to get someone to actually fully onboard onto a product, give yep. you a credit card, et cetera. So the cost for an email is is fractions of a penny. The cost for acquisition of a user could be- They know be, they're annoying. They're not stupid. They're just like, you know what? We're going to hit 2% of these. It might and cost we're you keep going. $250 every time you onboard a user for your CRM, yep. right? Because that's a 30 yep. buck a month per yep. seat license. So they're like- you know, but in their head, they're like, well, I got about 2,000 emails yep. on this person alone, right? Like, I can just go to yep. town. And so it, you just end up in this merciless situation because their analytics tell them that, well, yeah, 99% of people just absolutely hate us. But that 1% is pretty good. And that's what's going to pay for me. So why not? One of the things the world has accepted is that 3%, 4% is spectacular success. How the hell do we get past this? So because it just sucks to live in a world where you send someone 90 emails to beg them to use your product when in reality you should find out why the product isn't good. That to me is the, is the issue. Like if you're having to do that, there's something wrong with your onboarding. And now I'm right. talking more right. straightforwardly about what you were talking about. That onboarding is the initial contact. I'm not opposed to the follow-up email. Although oh, I, I kind of like follow-up emails that are funny and honest, which are like, hey, you know what? There's three reasons why you didn't come back. Maybe you list two legitimate ones and one kind of joke one. Yeah. Yeah. At least you're saying like, hey, we found that people leave because whatever. Yeah. Okay, so this uh, is good advice. Come back with a wink and just acknowledge that you're, yeah. you're bugging the person. Right. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. I, mean, no, I mean, using a real world analogy, when did hounding somebody who turned you down at a bar ever work? Like it doesn't yeah. work, you know, like your, your best option is to yeah. pivot or walk away. Yeah. If people acted in real life, like they That's do right. in emails, they'd all have to go to HR That's and have right. a real serious talk. Yeah. This is, by the way, I, <laughs> you know, can I, can I tell you, I like, I always say like, I am the user. I'm not the user. In fact, I've written right. about this, but I'm like, or you are the user. Like we have to check ourselves. We are willing to do things to our users, to our customers that we would never want done to ourselves. And we justify it because it works. It's harassment. Yeah. Right. It is harassment. It's but, harassment. So to the other point is. You're right. Emails are cheap, but you can't look at them that way. Why are so many people abandoning at this point? Now, if you see patterns in your analytics, that's when you have to do more than just look at analytics. You have to do user research. So an example would be, I'm an updog and I'm learning that 50% of the people are bailing at this one screen, right? Now I got to go. At some step in the journey. Right. 
I got to go do user research and figure out why. And I'll bet you the mistake you've made is you were selling when you shouldn't have been. And what I mean by that is you're still promoting or, or you're not giving enough information, you're not previewing. And the truth is the person is probably dealing with some other issue if they're at that step, which is like, am I going to be able to get out of this trial? Right. What are they going to do with my credit card? Like, so at that mm. point during the onboarding, maybe it's less about enticing them in yeah. like, and addressing whatever yeah. concern is suddenly on their mind at that you point. You skip yeah. forward a little bit though. Go do the user research. How do you do that? What does that look like? Well, I mean, it really depends on what you have in terms of your resources. So it, it's up dog. I have an analytics report. I know the users and I, I've convinced a few people. I'm going to give them $200 to talk to me. Okay. So now what? You can ask people who have dropped out, why they dropped out. Can okay. you tell me? It, of course, it's hard for them oftentimes to describe it. But okay. for this kind of scenario, I would probably recommend actually moderated user testing with people who haven't dropped out, like people who are unfamiliar with your product, and you want to see what their experience is like. And you're asking them questions along the way. And you're trying to figure out, like, what's on your mind on this screen? You know, when okay. you get to this screen, what are you thinking about? Like pretend so you know, almost like focus group level stuff. Like, yeah, hey, one on it's one. very observational. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're trying yeah. to understand. Look at the way I like to do moderate. And I'm not a user research form. I do user research. I'm not a sure. user research. I'm very fortunate where I am now. We have actual user researchers. But a lot of it is really a conversation. And you're watching them. And you're asking them to voice over what they're thinking. Like go a little slower. What's on your mind on this screen? And they might say, yeah. Like, you're asking me to start a trial, but I'm wondering, am I going to be able to get out of this trial? What are you yeah. going to do with my credit card? Yeah. Go a little slower is a really good question. Right. I, okay. I want to be more explicit about what Mike is suggesting, because I think there's an absolutely key distinction. And this comes out of the design, like the user research design world. And I think, and if, if I'm not mistaken, Alan Cooper has emphasized it in a couple of his books, which is, if you ask people in an interview setting, what do you think we should do differently? You don't get the real gold. But if you ask people to describe what they're doing while they're doing That's it, right. Right. it's very different because people either aren't paying attention, feel they have to perform because you just asked them a question and they're feeling important in that moment. But when you're asking people to describe, why'd you just do that? Can you tell us what your thinking was when you're doing it while they're doing it? You're no longer putting them on a stage, but rather ask them to be very descriptive of what they're doing. Sure, And I think that is hugely valuable. And we're a fast-moving org, Postlight, and we would love to do that kind of work. I don't think enough people do it, frankly, right. because I think there is gold. And you can't do it for a couple of people. you got to get see that pattern, and you right. need to find, oh, you know what? This is the sixth time I'm hearing this one thing, and this is where it, why it always snags. Right. Anxiety about credit cards or whatever it may be. It's very hard to tease it out. Okay, so you've pinpointed it. You've diagnosed it. Do you go back and tweak the designs? Where does onboarding live in a typical organization, right? Because we're, we're building something and we're buying an onboarding tool that layers you, on. You layered on with some JavaScript. And it's pretty nice, but it's not built into the platform in the way. And I, I think long term it has to be. Right. Yeah, like we so. don't own our own funnel at this moment. I we're we're leasing out a service that helps people That's figure right. out our problem. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think the minute, I mean, I hate, you know, dictates. Like I think the minute you think of it as an add-on, you're in trouble. But I do. I kind of think the minute you're thinking of it as something you put on after the fact or something that's separate and apart. Yeah. Rather than, you know, and by the way, this goes also one of my kind of things I like to do if I can, 
is have the product team that's developing the product deeply involved with the onboarding experience. Mm. Why? Because they know and live with the product. Mm. The product managers, product designers, even the engineers, like they know what this thing can do. This is a big org. Lots of our listeners work for little orgs yes. are kind of responsible for their, like they have no research for onboarding. They're just like, hi, welcome to the thing. Right. Like it's like a three person team. Very large orgs, it's a whole nother world. It often rolls into marketing. It's seen as like, we're going to analyze the funnel and get people well, it's, through. It's part of the funnel. And we're going to tie it into it. We're going to actually tie it directly into our ad spend. So like people are going to click on ads. They're going to come into the onboarding experience. And then we're going to try to convert them to, to paying users. And that lives inside, often in a big org, inside of a, a different part of the org. So some of our it's listeners- It's actually a lot of overlap there. Some of our listeners like probably have not had that experience. But to what you're saying, like there's a friction- Yep. Or, there, or at least a gap. Actually, what is that gap, right? Like, what do you want the product people to understand? Or what do you want the onboarding people to understand? Like, what are, what are people missing? I mean, I think that, you know, to a hammer, everything's a nail. How many cliches can I throw out today? That's but fine. like, it's fine. But it's I mean, I mean, I think marketing people are really good at understanding how to get people to act, how right. to take action, what motivates them. But I think in many product experiences, once they've actually decided, once they're at your front door, and they're knocking and they want to come in, right? They're there already. It's now time to start to think about what does the product do to entice them? I'm not saying you shouldn't have marketing people involved. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be a collaborative effort. But I think oftentimes- Notice how many large corporate environments Mike has worked in. He's just like <laughs> yeah. good diplomacy. Yeah. I'm not saying, the guy in charge of blowing yeah. things up with a gun, like if he needs to be at the meeting, he should be Where at the meeting. Where else have you worked, Mike? Prior to um, HBO Max, I was at um, TED, which is not a big org. It's a tiny org. It's a nonprofit. TED, I was there for uh, TED, yeah, Talks. TED Talks. I was there for director of experience design for seven and a half years. Right. Prior to that, I worked in places like your place, a lot of agency consulting, a tech firm. Mm. And then prior to that, Mark marketing and branding where I was kind of the oddball who was bringing digital strategy and design to a legacy branding or marketing company. Yep. So then my very early days were like web 101. Like very impressive. Can we for do anything with a marquee tag? This is the eternal struggle, which is websites were great because everybody knew how they worked. I'm going to click on a page. There's a link. I click. I don't have to onboard anyone onto the web once they've figured out the basics of the browser. Yeah. But when you build a new app or you build a new experience, you know, it's something to watch videos and it works on different platforms or it's a, you know, it's a new kind of workflow tool or whatever, whatever anybody's building. Yeah. It's new. You're putting new paradigms up. You're saying this is a little bit different. Even if people say like, well, it has to work exactly like everything that looks like that worked before. You can't do that. You can't actually clone, or you're working across platforms, which means like, you know, in your world, like I'm not talking out of turn, like you've got Roku and you've got, yep. you know, Apple TV and so on. And each one of those has their own dynamics. So it's like, where do you compromise? What's yours? What's there? So on and so forth. It's a puzzle. It is. And so now you have to tell people, this is why this thing's a little different. Invest a little time figure it out, but then nobody wants to do that. Like that's not a fun activity for humans unless they're playing this cool game. And so yeah. like, this is an internal dialogue in the web. And I think people come up and are like, here's the exact, what's interesting talking to both of you, there is no answer here. There, this is just sort of part of the culture of the web. And I think it gets devalued and kind of thrown into marketing. Right. It's like, just goes into the chum bucket of revenue as opposed to like, actually this is a continual part of the discipline, like accessibility or like, good, clear UX right. that needs to be there every day for the as long as the product exists. I want to close it with an appropriate closing question. Okay. It's been two years. I've been a loyal subscriber. We're done. I paid you every month. And now 
I have to go through the labyrinth of how to stop paying. Hey, if you give me a call, I can tell you how to get away from the New York Times, but we got to talk on the phone first. I'll I'll give you an example. You know, it's one of the streaming services. I just hadn't found anything I've been watching for probably four months. And so you called the people at Curiosity Now. (laughs) (laughs) And... I was just trying to cancel it, and boy, it was a process. Yeah, and, yeah. And you had to, uh, those crunchy roll guys won't to, pick up the phone. Here's the pattern, right? It's like account settings, this and that, big buttons, and then like cancel whispers at oh, the very yeah. bottom in a blue yeah. link. Yeah. It's hilarious. You know, you know the he, the thing I hate. And just before we even go further with the offboarding, like you go to a site. And especially because everything kicks you out for social logins. So if you're like on Twitter or whatever, and you click the link, and here you are, and they want to sign you up as a new user, and then you got to go hunt for the login for existing user button. Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah, because in they're four so point, oriented around. They just the don't new care, user. and yeah. you're like, you could have yeah. just put it right below, yeah, and then would have it would have implied to everybody that you have existing users. Right. They literally hide. <laughs> yeah, is it bad? That it's buried away. Of course and, it is. Okay. Of course it is. Yeah. I mean, again, using a real world analogy, the person who won't let you leave their house at the end of the dinner party, you're not coming back to their house ever. I've been to Rich's house and it's real. Yeah. Everything <laughs> you're saying is real. I mean, for the person who's really decided I am canceling this subscription, let them go gracefully. Right. They're not going to badmouth you on social media if you do it. They're not going to badmouth you to their friends if right. there's any chance of them ever coming back. I mean, look, this is where I will confess my ignorance. Maybe there's people who say, well, actually, in, in the large pool of analytics we look at, the strategy of not letting them go is a winning strategy, and it probably is. Well, you're, yeah, I mean, the, the revenue I, churn people are going course, to say their course. piece. But right? you could think about it from a product Here's Let me describe a product experience that I don't think would alienate people, which is absolutely you're signed out. I send you an email, and I say, this is to confirm that you are signed out. Just want to let you know, if you'd like to come back, I can reinstate your account in two seconds, and I'm going to give you $10 off a month. I think you would find a hell of a lot of pickup. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then in that same email, you could be like, and by the way, I don't know if you've seen it, but we've got this mini series and we're doing this thing. A lot coming. A lot coming. There's a lot coming. So, you know, I don't know if you want to miss it or not. You can come back anytime. Yeah. And then, you know what you can do at that point? You can subscribe them to the mailing list and give them the unsubscribe right. button at the bottom. And like, they're on the list of the people who unsubscribed, yeah. uh, who canceled. Don't hide it. Don't make the unsubscribe That's into right. like two point type. There are startups now that track all your subscriptions and let you know which ones seem to be sitting dormant because yeah. it isn't just streaming services. It's Some of it is just, you don't even remember, oh right? Oh my like, God. It's just this Substack random- newsletters. And it's also when you know a lot of people in media, the number of guilt subscriptions that happen. Oh, yeah. That's another podcast yeah. episode. Oh, that's it's a, a rough one. one. Um, I got to help them out. What I'm hearing across everything you, you're saying, listener. Mike, Not is you. deliver value. Don't be condescending. Don't be pushy. Don't harass. Be authentic. Be authentic. Be gracious. Be gracious. Gracious yeah. in the world of well, I'm just thinking about the sl- funnel. I'm the thinking about funnel sl- and gracious. Can I, make, I will often recommend non-design books to designers. Like yeah. books by Danny like, Myers, like the Bible, Nabokov, <laughs> yeah. like, the, like the New Testament, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Satanic verses. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. Uh, no, I mean, like read a hospitality book, read about Danny Myers, read about right. Disney and how he constructed parks, because mm-hmm. those those are tried and true methods. And you're not looking for the exact 
product design strategy, you're looking at the underlying psychological principles. No, but it is to think like Four Seasons Concierge, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm going to get you those tickets if it kills me. Right. If you can do that or simulate that, boy, people remember it for the rest of their lives. It's they a do. special experience. And yeah. so like the thing I'm taking out of this more than anything, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of tools, there's a lot of approaches, there's a lot of techniques, but like I think about the Slack onboarding experience and I think about translating to a person, a human experience right now. And it's literally like, Hey, you guys haven't huddled. Right. Need to do a huddle. Don't you, you ever try to huddle? Yeah. Want to huddle? And I'm like, I yeah, just, yeah. and it's like, all right, I'm on the free tier. And yeah. it literally is like, <laughs> until you pay, cause this is for a new Slack instance where we're doing something new. We haven't gotten around to paying yet. Yep. We will. Yep. We'll pay. Calm down. But until you pay, that guy's going to talk to you about huddling. You don't right. have a choice. Yeah. Mike, this was great. A lot of good advice, not just at a design altitude, but as, at a product and frankly, a business altitude as well. There's nothing oh, better. This one, this one will get sent around. There are certain podcasts where they're like, I've been telling you all about onboarding for over 25 yeah. years. Yeah. And but it'll it's be also the relationship between that business and that customer or that person. There's nothing better than like, really, really great service. You just feel special and- This you... is, look, this is one of the critical things. I remember I launched a website once, a subscription product. I was the only person who'd worked on it. I was in charge of it. I probably took 500 phone calls. I probably answered 2,000 emails because it was for a magazine. A lot of the subscribers were over 700 years old and integrated with a third-party service, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But that is the most valuable experience I ever had in my life thinking about digital products. I didn't understand it at that point. I just realized that people, when they use your thing, it's an interpretive act. It's not like a, they're not going to follow the rule book or the recipe book that you have. They're interpreting as they go and making meaning out of it. And then they're like, I don't understand. That's right. It's a picture, but I thought it'd be words, you know, just like, like Rich, you and I are working on some new stuff and thinking through some new stuff and essentially have moved ourselves into the customer success role. We talk to the users. We are doing the user research. And I don't, you can't, Skip that part if you want to develop that deep empathy, and then you think about them coming into the store. And yep. what's the Danny Meyer book? I kind of oh, I, I mean, I'm just saying, read about Danny Meyer. Read his quotes. I mean, oh yeah, for people who don't know, Danny Meyer like nice, expensive restaurants, right? So, yeah, so, I mean, he has Shack. one of my favorite. Shake Shack. As business owners, he has one of my favorite quotes about running a business, which is like, if there's unhappiness in the kitchen, you'll taste it on your plate. Ooh, which is you know, and Boy, I, that's true <laughs> about product too. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. yeah. percent. And so I mean, you know, again. And those analogs to real world experiences and hospitality are so important. I've actually talked and thought more about onboarding than I thought I would. You know, it's not talked about enough. It's talked about in a kind of like, okay, let's jam them through the funnel. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, like yeah it's keep not, going. it's not talked about as like a holistic and meaningful part of the experience, but I, I think you can't skip it. Yeah. And I think what happens is people put it off and then it becomes kind of, okay, well, we got to do it. It's bolted on. Now get in there, yeah. get in there and start thinking about your onboarding. It's never too late. You know, one way to get an incredible onboarding experience, Paul, Hire. Oh my God, wait a minute. I just figured it out. What I is it? I just figured it out. You hire a really, really good agency. World class. Product driven place. World class. Oh my God. Class. But hold on a minute, Rich. Do you know any world class agencies that will help you focus through onboarding and other product related challenges? I do. Postlight. Oh my God. I was thinking the same thing. Check us out at postlight.com. A lot of great case studies, a lot of great work. We think deeply about design. 
we can keep the pitches short and sweet. Hello, Hello at postlight.com. We love getting emails and uh, we love sharing advice, actually. Advice like today's episode, even if you never engage us. It's like kind of part of how we think about the world. Michael McWaters, if people want to get in touch with you, what should they do? They can go to michaelmcwaters.com. Oh, yeah, that's an adult right there. That's how that's, it's done. It's just where yeah. I write on Medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's got all my socials. Or they can email me from there. Excellent, excellent. michaelmcwaters.com, ladies and Two gentlemen. Yes. Two T's. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.